0: Sawbones, marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy.
1: And I'm Sydney McElroy.
0: Hi, Sid. Hi, Justin. What do you want to do a show about this week?
1: Wow, you're just diving right in there, aren't you? That's
0: me, all business. Just ready to go. T- Listen, we're going headed out to Great Wolf Lodge. I want to get my magic quest on, and I want to wrap this up.
1: Well, uh, we don't want to shortchange our audience, While we While still doing take... a
0: great job in keeping it the regular episode length. <laughs> uh,
1: I thought this week, last week we did something that... I was a little controversial or at least I thought it was going to be controversial.
0: Yeah. We, we no, covered
1: no, no. GMO and I expected an onslaught of very angry emails. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, um, that really didn't happen. No, no. The a few haters, a few, but the positive, um, not, I don't want to say like people really liked our episode. I'm really surprised. No, I'm saying the positive feedback on GMO and the, ideas of it and the understanding of it far outweighed the misunderstanding yeah and it was
0: very heartening honestly
1: yeah so it made me think that maybe there isn't while there are people who who are still i think receiving misinformation the majority Mm -hmm. of people maybe aren't i don't know good so thank you for all your feedback and uh yes i'd like to make i almost never make corrections
0: i know i saw a few tweets about this said
1: I misspoke. I said that there are people who live on eight thousand calories a day, (laughs) (laughs) which honestly that's a lot of calories. I meant eight hundred. I just was i I was talking quickly. I was getting impassioned, and I I misspoke, and that's it. I I got I got no other excuse. I just
0: and just misspoke. I
1: misspoke. I didn't catch it. Justin didn't catch it but it's 800. I caught not 8, it, 000. but
0: I just didn't want you to be embarrassed. So well, I why didn't you it edit out. it out I just and let it out me put that on the internet? <laughs>
1: why didn't <you, laughs> Why didn't you let
0: me fix it? I didn't actually notice. That would have been no. I, I do know the difference. I would like to point
1: that out. Between
0: uh, 800 and 8,000 calories.
1: Well, I know that I know that it's uh, physicians notoriously don't get a ton of nutrition mm-hmm. education, but I know that one, like mm-hmm. that one
0: I, I got. Isn't there something that like technically when we say calories, we mean kcal's. Yes. So you're technically, or maybe you're technically right.
1: No, no, I still think I'm.
0: Okay. Well, oh well. Well. If maybe. we could do this, come on, there might be something you can thread here. No, no
1: I no. just misspoke. Okay. I meant eight hundred, and I said eight thousand. There you go. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we're gonna talk about fractures this week. Okay. I'm just diving right into that. Go for it. Uh, there's. Thank you, Jen, for recommending this topic, and I'm sure other people have recommended it. Uh, throughout the years but Jen sent us an email very recently recommending it so thank you Jen you get get the credit Um, when I say fractures I'm assuming Justin you know what I mean
0: yes when your bones break there you go when your bones get a break in them
1: When when they get a break in them
0: well break I think implies completely broken and a fracture doesn't have to be completely broken Right? Right. Yeah. There are different kinds of fractures. You can get a crack in your bone, Uh which doesn't necessarily mean the bone is broken per se. I mean, it is... Like all the way through. Like all the way through. The bone is broken. Yeah. 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 But you know what I
1: mean. We're getting into semantics. There are different kinds of fractures, for sure. There are simple fractures where there's just... It's just broken. It's under the skin. It's in one place. It's just broken in there. Okay. Um, There's compound fractures, which we could also say open fractures, meaning that something's poking through the skin. Okay. That's bad. That's very bad.
0: That, I've never seen one of those, but I feel like I would throw up.
1: I have. I did not throw up. Oh. But it is bad. It is scary to see. It's scary looking, and then they're much more serious. Yeah. Uh, your fracture could be displaced or not. Do you know what that means?
0: Displaced. Kind of makes sense. Like about it. bone goes in a weird place?
1: If you think uh, a <laughs> fracture, like if you imagine one long bone, and there's just a crack drawn through the middle of it, okay. that fracture would be non-displaced. The bones are all where they're supposed to be. There's just a break in them versus the bone is broken and it has moved out of position. OK. So okay. the ends are not opposing each other the way they should be. Got it. And obviously, if it's not in place, you have to place it. Right. That's hey, part of the management.
0: Sounds so bad. Yeah. I've never um, broken a bone. Did you know that? I don't know if, we're, if that's the topic for discussion, but I don't
1: well, know. I haven't either.
0: Well, wow, look yeah, at us. There you go. Good stock. <laughs> Good stock we're raising. Uh, and then indestructible they're, children they're or different. children who have mm, let's call them indoor lifestyle.
1: <laughs> Maybe I played outside a lot. I played a lot of sports. I just hearty bones. hardy bones. Hardy bones. I don't know. Lucky. Uh, and then there are different kinds of l- the way that the bone can be broken. You know, it can be broken across transverse. It can be broken up and down like a linear fracture. Can be like a spiral kind of spiraling down the bone <laughs> oh, fracture. Um, there are green stick fractures, which are just kind of like broken on the edge a little bit. Uh, that's the kind of fracture my sister had when she was younger.
0: Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On the trampoline.
1: Yes. Both my sisters on the trampoline. Hey, everybody. Don't get trampolines. Don't get trampolines. <laughs> Both my sisters on trampolines. They're fine now. Don't get trampolines. Don't get trampolines, Don't though. Get trampolines. Uh, now, it, fractures are kind of interesting because the, we have a long history of trying to treat them because they're a very obvious. I want to talk malady. about trampolines
0: again for a second in terms of medical history. Mm-hmm. I think trampolines represent the triumph of humans in medicine, or more <laughs> accurately, a hubris that we developed like we were like oh we've got this let's spice it up (laughs) like we've got everything figured out let's see what kind of shenanigans we can get into
1: they they really are pretty dangerous i mean you won't find a lot of um pediatricians and family doctors like people who take care of kids who would recommend having
0: one or using one and don't add us and say they're regular uh, relatively safe like I checked the sample size. Two out of three kids break bones yeah. in fa- per family.
1: That's very true. One an arm, one an ankle. Yeah. That that Even with the nets, even with the big net around them now. Yeah. You know, we didn't have those when we were kids. No, we, we, we went wrong. We just fell off the trampoline. No. So, trampolines are, are pretty dangerous. Um, I'll just say we, we don't have one. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. But your uh, parents do. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, Treatment of fractures has been described as far back as the Edwin Smith papyrus from ancient Egypt, because people have broken bones as long as people have had bones. And it's very obvious when you break a bone pretty, I mean, usually there can be kind of hidden occult fractures that aren't immediately recognizable. But if you break a long bone in your leg or arm, you know, pretty quickly because it hurts and Mm -hmm. then, you know, it looks weird. Mm -hmm. And so people have been trying to fix it for a long time. The, the, I don't know if this is a good or a bad thing, positive slash negative. We do a funny show about medical history, so it's kind of a negative for us, but it's positive for humans. <laughs> we figured out pretty quickly some, some effective methods. So if it works, to we t- to treat fractures. So there's a lot of history that isn't
0: particularly well, it's one of the few things where just let it alone, right? Like it'll actually. Like where they must have tied it all up and well, so, oh, man, I hope that fixes itself because we have no idea. And then it did. And then it did. That and, and it's very true. That's,
1: I mean, more or less, we have understood the idea of reduction of a fracture, which means putting it back in place mm-hmm. since the ancient Egyptians. Wow. So same thing with the, like a dislocation. If something pops out of joint. We've understood kind of how to relocate it for a really long time. With fractures, people will look at an arm and it's hanging at a funny angle. And so they'll kind of pull on it to try to realign it, which is the basic idea of reducing or you know replacing a, not a displaced fracture. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, a short
0: episode this week, huh? Just that's
1: it. Well, no, I still found some wild stuff all in right, there. All right, <laughs> So basically, in ancient Egypt, you would just kind of pull on the limb until the bone slid back into place. Yes, mm. that's going to be painful. Mm. Um, and then you would apply bandages and honey because, as we have talked about on the show before, the Egyptians were all about honey, loved it, which is helpful in some cases. If you actually had like an open fracture, uh, honey is probably not enough there for mm-hmm. you. Because like I said, open fractures are a big deal. It's the infection. and that's, I'll go ahead and cover that. If you have a bone poking through the skin, the bone is now exposed to the world of infection that is out there, and that's bad. You don't mm. want to get infected bones. Those are serious infections that are hard to treat even today, and as you can imagine, prior to antibiotics were almost impossible to treat. So an open fracture is a huge deal, and it was a much bigger deal back in the day.
0: That's a bummer The, the Honey is a bummer because it's like, well, my arm's broken. And now also there's ants all over. It. <laughs> so that's not good.
1: Um, you, you could get away with uh, simple bandages and ointments were applied if, if it was a closed fracture, meaning that nothing was poking through the skin. Um, they did recognize after a while that if you did have bone poking through, there, were, there really weren't a lot of recommendations, which was just kind of an acceptance that this is not going to go well. I mean they they knew that at least that the severity of an open fracture was most people didn't make it. Yeah. Nowadays we do know how to treat them. They are a big deal but we know how to treat them. Oh, I, I want to reassure people. <laughs> um Hippocrates had pretty similar advice. Uh he also advised reducing it first and there are a lot of if you look back through medical literature you can find a lot of really elaborate uh drawings like diagrams of of devices to reduce fractures of like ways to like haul somebody up by the arm to replace a humerus where it needs to be Mm -hmm. um and they look strange and like that can't be right but i mean the principle of them isn't wrong in a lot of the cases so it's not that off base it's just Mm. kind of a wild contraption to build to replace an arm yeah um But you would reduce it and then you would bandage it with this mixture of some kind of fat and some kind of waxy substance. So, you know, any kind of animal fat or oil and then like, you know, wax, beeswax would work and you would mix it together and it made serrate and you would bandage it with that, you know, bandages soaked in that sort of like a cast. It would harden into a cast, Yeah, kind of like a cast. Exactly. Um, You would change this daily and then after about a week you would apply some splints, to hold it in place mm-hmm. the idea was that you didn't want to apply splints right away because there was going to be a lot of swelling and you didn't want to squish everything together too much initially you wanted mm-hmm. to kind of let that die down and then apply the splints which isn't a bad idea either um, and then because it was Hippocrates he also had very strict diet requirements for healing from a fracture everything Hippocrates came down to diet really yeah he was he was very big on food as medicine <laughs> yeah which again, these aren't wild recommendations. Now you are they not didn't gonna have better ones back then, like no. that or Tylenol. No. <laughs> You're not gonna heal a fracture with diet alone, but eating a healthy diet is never a bad idea. Um, and pretty much as we move into like the Roman period, you get the same kind of advice from physicians like Celsus. Uh they just trade in uh wine for serrate, That's- which isn't as effective in making a cast like structure. Yeah. Seems
0: like kind of a downgrade.
1: Yeah. Just you know, Romans and their wine, I guess. <laughs> um, now plenty, the elder. And he, I guess if all of medical opinion was going in one direction, like, Oh, your bones broken. We think so. All you have to do is, you know, wrap it in some bandages and keep it in place and then it'll heal on its own. Plenty had to get in there and say, well, that seems boring. <laughs> I need I need to say something different. I
0: mix up a bit.
1: So, from his Natural History chapter 65, here's what Pliny has to say on broken bones. For broken bones, a sovereign remedy is the ashes of the jawbone of a wild boar or swine, boiled bacon too, tied round the broken bone, unites it with marvelous rapidity. Now, if that was n- if that was any fracture but your rib, that would work. Now let's say it was your ribs. Okay. If it was your ribs, he had a different recipe for fractures of the ribs, goat's dung Applied in old wine, <laughs> is extolled as the grand remedy, being possessed in a high degree of aperient, extractive, and healing
0: properties. Extolled as the grand remedy. Extolled as the like, grand remedy. Just laying it on a little thick, plenty for something you just kind of pull out of your hinder there, bud. So, I like that. That everybody, everybody... says this is good. I don't know.
1: <laughs> Everybody's pretty much getting it right, and then Plenty's like, nah. I got, I got a whole other idea here. You may wonder, too, how exactly did people diagnose a fracture? I thought I'd mention this. It is mentioned throughout many different ancient medical texts that you could feel crepitus of the bones. And that's kind of that sensation. We we look for crepitus in different situations in medicine. But if you put your hand on something and you feel like that crackling and popping as the bones are moving against each other, mm-hmm. that's that's crepitus. You can also feel crepitus in like an arthritic joint. Like okay. I'll just put my hand over a knee and have a patient bend their knee back and forth, and I can feel it popping and cracking underneath my hand. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's trapped air, you can feel crepitus. But anyway, they describe this That's all a pop throughout in
0: your knuckles, right?
1: Yeah. Okay. Now, usually when we get to the Middle Ages, I tell you that we forgot everything about how to treat whatever we're managing, and it was all terrible. We actually didn't. There was a period of time where doctors didn't like to touch patients very much. Mm. Um, we've talked about this a little bit before. Part of it was kind of a religious idea when uh, when physicians were closely tied to like monks and priests and things like that. Touching patients a lot was kind of taboo. Yeah. Um, and then there was also the fear of getting things like syphilis. <laughs>
0: Okay. Yeah. So, that's legit. So there were. Don't need to be religious for that. Yeah, I mean, yeah.
1: There was a time period where it wasn't forgotten, but touching your patient and resetting bones may not have been done as frequently. Right. Um, But we still, I found this great uh, document. Fra- it was like a, it was like a Dutch um, middle ages. It's from 1350. And they reenact these kind of cures and treatments so that they can see what it looked like. Um and so I found this whole like report on how they do this and images and all this kind of stuff. And it was very cool, but they detailed how to treat how you would have treated a broken leg in 1350. Okay. So um so first of all you have to like feel the leg.
0: Feel the leg, Johnny, to
1: figure out where it is. Okay, like you just kind of like squeeze along the leg until it hurts, I guess. <laughs> Great. And then go, okay, here's where it's broken. Um, and then you're gonna set it. And the way that they would have set the bone or reduce the fracture, they would have one person like like the guy's laying on the ground in this picture. It's like it just happens to be a guy. Yeah, it can be anybody, but it's it big guy. Burn. But uh, and, but they've got one person behind him, like with their arms wrapped around his chest, like pulling him backwards, <laughs> and then another person like pulling on his foot. <laughs> <coughs> So basically you and and the master surgeon is going to kneel between the two people who are pulling on him and kind of hold the leg to mm-hmm. try to work the bones into place. Oh. I know. I know. Um, and if you if you accidentally poke a bone through the skin, you just kind of massage it back down to where it goes. This is going to this is going to be bad it's in the bad. long run. It's but- so bad,
0: though. <laughs> The one thing is it's so
1: bad. <laughs> um, after you get that back into place, you're gonna take a bandage and you're gonna wet it with the white of an egg. That I actually found that throughout different parts. Like there was some, some um ancient Arabic medicine that suggested the white of an egg as a kind of a hardening okay. for the bandage. Um and you could mix it with milk or wine or just water or whatever. And then you wrap the um you wrap that part of the leg with the bandage and you want to apply it pretty tightly and then you splint it so they would have taken like seven splints uh for a broken leg and really wrap them all around you know you would want them Mm. spaced all around the leg and then just hold those with some cords and wrap it pretty tightly and they have specific things like they use like hollowed elder branches and things to keep so that the cords don't wrap too tightly around the skin and and all that. Um, and then after that, you just check it regularly. You, you reapply um, wax plasters as needed to hold everything in place. Okay, so again, legit, we're kind of like casts. Um, they often use something called black ointment.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, black ointment, or you also see it called black salve.
0: Which is a very similar thing. You said that in a way that, that, that we've as, mentioned as though you this might have before. triggered some familiarity within me.
1: Uh, we've mentioned this before on the show. Oh, ah, yeah.
0: It has I I think clarity. For syphilis, it was used a lot. We just tested this. You know exactly how much I retain, and it's, a, it's <laughs> around 75%. Which um, is not bad, it's just very good. It is. It had variable ingredients. You'd get different
1: black ointments depending on where you who made it, um, but it usually was some kind of mixture of herbs. There was some sort of tar or oil or something, probably that gave it the appearance of gave it made it black. And then something like beeswax, so it was like a thick ointment with herbs in it, and you would apply it to the fracture. And it was thought to be really good at drawing out bad stuff. Infection is what they were saying before mm-hmm. they said infection, right. or like tumors um you will see this this is wild i was i was reading trying to get a list of ingredients for black ointment and as i said it's hard because it was so variable but you will find this marketed today really yeah
0: that's weird
1: yeah and it's also marketed it's as like a... I said, it's
0: weird like i've been around <laughs> earth for the past few years it's not weird of course let me try let me re- let me do my answer again well yeah i said obviously
1: and i would watch out for this because it is marketed as a cancer treatment
0: huh yeah huh Uh uh-huh and that's effective no no okay
1: but um but back then it was used for everything and fractures in particular and and then basically you would tell your patient to take it easy for a while you didn't want them up walking too fast because you wanted the bone to stay where it was supposed to be and then you would have them use things like crutches for a while to get give it a rest and crutches yeah sure
0: that's, yeah. not, that's not hard, I guess. No, I think about it. I shouldn't no. be that surprised. <laughs> fashion those <laughs> so, together.
1: So again, this, none of this is particularly
0: wild. Yeah, they're kind of doing an okay job. Mm-hmm. I guess there's only so much you can mess up. What about after, like a little later after the Middle Ages?
1: Well, I'm going to get into that, Justin, but first let's head to the billing department.
0: Let's go. The medicines Apparently, well, so that's another thing you can use your wink wine for.
1: It's not. It's not. So it's let's not. Mo- let's move on from thirteen fifty. By the way, if you're interested in that, I, I did want to give you that because I pulled all that from, um, the manuscripts of Brussels, Cambridge, Ghent, and London that were edited by E. C. Learsom mm-hmm. in nineteen twelve. In okay. case you're interested in all oh, of that, lo-
0: wait, Pause the show.
1: All of that stuff. Pause the show. About, I have to go treating do some a more. a reading about fracture treatment? Um, in the 1400s in Anglo-Saxon England, I thought this was really interesting. I found a like a giant 30-page description of the treatment of fractures. People really love to write about this stuff. Mm. I have a theory. It's because to get into orthopedics, it's a very competitive residency. You have to do research. I wonder uh, if all these people so are researching the history time, of maybe. fractures. That's my theory. I have no idea. Anyway, so inflicting a fracture on somebody was a serious crime in the 1400s. Okay, if you broke somebody's leg or arm uh, you had
0: to pay. It's not about what you did It's about the impact of your actions.
1: Yes. (laughs) That's fun. Yeah, because because it because you could cause them obviously death if it was like an open fracture or they may be unable to you know, do whatever their job was previously or whatever after that because we didn't know how to set it properly So an arm broken above the elbow incurred a penalty of 15 shillings (laughs) If you broke if you broke somebody's femur, uh, it was twice that, uh, and uh, thirty shillings. So there you go. There's uh, the cost of breaking an arm or a leg. In so, case you're curious,
0: so a, a shilling was worth one twentieth of a pound sterling, mm-hmm. and so, this is in fourteen hundred. This is fourteen hundred. So in fl- you know, it's hard to figure out, but it's is like seventy five cents today? Probably more. Probably more. I would think. No, no, 75 cents in those days. Uh-huh. In, what is this, 1400s money? Yeah. Okay, hold on, I can figure this out. Give me a second. Just let me Google for a second.
1: Uh, while you're Googling, okay. an injury wanna... that required crutches afterwards um, w- might make you pay higher. Like if afterwards they the person never regained the ability to walk without crutches, mm-hmm. you might have to pay more money. Okay. Um. In general, breaking a leg was worse than breaking an arm for whatever reason. That
0: cost you more. <laughs> Um, so this inflation calculator only goes back to
1: 1913. <laughs> so, I don't think... so we have no idea. Somebody's going to tell us. Yeah. Somebody will. I, I trust our listeners. Somebody will 15 know. Fifteen
0: shillings in like the 1400s equals how much today? Equals how much today?
1: You can stick with sterling. It's fine if it's still.
0: We can. I can put that into the. Internet. I
1: can handle. I can handle that if it's. still It would be in nice. So if you don't you did have go, to. You
0: know what? If you're already doing it though, please do go the extra step and convert that into USD for me. Thank you. <laughs>
1: Um, the, the basic principles at this point were not that different. Obviously we haven't advanced that much in history. We just kind of jumped countries. Um, but I did find a lot of mentions of hot baths to relax muscles before you do the reduction, which it's interesting. Like a hot bath could relax a muscle if it's, if it's around a broken bone and there's inflammation, I don't know how much it would help, Mm -hmm. but it's not a, it's not a terrible idea. Wow. Now there are. I did find suggestions that the patient themselves try to stretch the limb out.
0: Uh, no, thank you. Um,
1: th- this is this is wild to me because one, the pain alone. I mean, if you broke your femur, there's no way you're gonna be able to reduce that. Mm-hmm. Like, just do the pain. But then also, you had to be pretty strong sure. to do this.
0: I mean, strong, to pull bones, strong physically and like strong. Willed,
1: Strong, strong will. Yes. <laughs> strong of spirit. <laughs> but also physically strong to pull a bone back into place. And it'd be very hard to have the leverage to do that on your own limb. Mm-hmm. I think it would be a very difficult thing to do. Um So I can't imagine that work very often. Uh There were some specific recommendations for like once you had... Because I think that was just, well, we've reset everything. It's back in place. We might as well throw some herbs and whatnot on it because... Sure, we do that for everyone else. To, you want to justify the bill.
0: Like I know you guys do love doing that
1: So a couple different um kind of exciting concoctions that I found one was you take the root of the dragon plant mm-hmm. Mix it with grease and you make a poultice.
0: It's I mean it
1: sounds impactful The dragon plant certainly like give me some of that and you could especially do this um, if you the wound was open, mm-hmm. and you thought there were little pieces of bone in there, so like a comminuted fracture with more that it broke into more than two pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, then the broken bones would kind of appear out of the body if you applied this poultice. Yeah, but you should only gather this plant in July. Why is that? I don't know because I said so. <laughs>
0: okay, I'll take your word for it. <laughs>
1: July is the month for dragon plant. Uh, there were also recommendations uh, you could lay bull's dung. Warm bull's dung on the fracture. Okay. And uh, all will be well
0: after that. And that'll do it, huh? Mm-hmm. That's all. It will
1: be well with him, is what they say. And uh, for any fracture, you could take a dog's brain laid upon wool and bind that over the place where the break occurred for 14 days, and then it will be healed.
0: Okay. That's I out. wouldn't. No, don't. Wouldn't. But... If you want to try, and let us know no, how. No,
1: don't, don't. This. Is,
0: no. I want to get in this more extreme medicine, Sydney.
1: I don't want people. I don't obtaining dogs' brains. Please okay. don't, please, please no. don't do this. But if you have the dogs'
0: brains already.
1: No. Lying around. No. Um,
0: <laughs> okay, don't. We do yes, don't. I guess.
1: Please don't. Please. In general, there's very little that we talk about on this show that we want you to do. Yeah. I think it's just get vaccinated. Vaccines, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <That's about laughs> I don't it. think there's much else we want you to do. Go see your doctor and get vaccines. Uh, by the time of Pare, and we talk a lot about Ambroise Pare on this show. Um, it lived in the 1500s, revolutionized a lot of uh, pre and post operative kind of care and surgery and equipment and all they kinds of things. Parades after him. <laughs> no.
0: Because <laughs> he's so great. No. What are we going to call this thing? Everybody's marching in a the line there's music, musicians musicians what's what's as great as this what about what about Embraer parade a parade that's perfect and then you just snuff the d in at the end for mm-hmm. copyright reasons
1: right huh this is a
0: stretch this feels like I know as I'm saying it this feels is like wrong. a stretch but already, I think our
1: listeners know this is wrong already, I mean just, of course it's wrong, wrong but I don't <laughs> even think it's
0: funny that's, that's my problem where I'm at I'll say wrong things all the time but like at least land
1: um by by his time the basic method of fracture management was already down okay. um, and he he summed it up and since then we kind of have been doing it the same way you restore the bone to its place second you contain it with some sort of you know splint cast whatever you've got and then um you do things to prevent inflammation and infection and pain and whatnot mm-hmm. while they heal okay. mm-hmm. take time to rehabilitate and those are those are kind of the principles of fracture management Um. That kind of st- stick around even today now I I do want to take a little a little side note to discuss bone setters before okay. we end this before I get you to today um, as long as people have been breaking bones we need people who can set them and as I mentioned reducing a fracture isn't necessarily easy right you know it's I mean you got to be strong and you wouldn't have always necessarily had a physician do it. Uh, like I said, sometimes doctors didn't touch patients. And also, you needed somebody pretty strong to do it. So maybe the doctor wasn't necessarily strong enough.
0: So they had like one burly person in the office that just...
1: No, you had bone setters. What? Uh, what? A bone setter may have been somebody with some sort of medical background. You know, certainly there were
0: bone I setters. you're about to say bones. Yeah. Well, yeah, I said <laughs> One um,
1: like the in the in the uh, 16th century, you found a lot of like um, monks and nuns who maybe left religious orders who took their medical background with them. The training they had and became things like bone setters. Um, but you find bone setters in all cultures. They're actually still bone setters today. Really? Yeah. In some places. Traditional bone setters who hmm. who do this kind of thing who aren't necessarily what we think of as modern physicians or medical personnel.
0: Um, they just are very focused on this.
1: Well, it's more knowledge that's been passed down through families. Okay. You know, it's, it's folk knowledge kind of thing. Um, So I I wanted to talk about bone setters. Not so much because that's, I mean, that we, we figure somebody had to do this, mm-hmm. but because of one that I discovered her name was Sarah map, but she was known as crazy Sally. Okay. I, I don't, I think she gave herself that name. Nice. Um, She was born in 1706 to a father that already worked as a bone setter. So her dad already had inherited this family tradition of setting people's bones, right? Had this knowledge. Um, He wasn't always around to set, I guess, all the bones he needed to. Maybe two people broke a bone at the same time. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't available. So Sarah started handling some cases for him okay. stepping in and kind of inheriting the family business now this would have been very strange at the time
0: for a woman for a woman, to, for be, a
1: woman right. to be doing this um one because it just wasn't it was kind of unseemly uh it was it was a big deal for women to be you know touching people and doing what a what a physician or medical person mm-hmm. would do and two like i said you had to be pretty strong right to do this Um, so it was usually done by like blacksmiths, like, okay, like, yeah, like big burly people. And here, Sarah just kind of took on these cases and it turned out that she was really good at it. Nice. Actually, probably better than her dad. Okay. So she took off and kind of started her own practice, which she called cracked Sally, the one and only bone setter. Oh my God. That's so good. I, I love this person. Um, she was very successful at it. She got, won a lot of, of renown for being so good at setting bones. And so she moved to Epsom. Um, in Epsom, there was a lot of horse racing. There were a lot of rich of people. Epsom
0: salts fame. P- maybe. Probably.
1: Probably. 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 Uh, so there were a lot of rich people and they like to race horses. And this resulted in a lot of broken bones. Mm-hmm. So her services were needed in Epsom. So she moved there and started, you know, setting the bones of the rich I, and famous.
0: I love calling yourself the one and only something in days before Google, because there is a chance that someone will be like, all right. She's <laughs> like, the one. She's the only one. She's Apparently. the one. Um, who are you going to get? Well, who <laughs> do you think? She's the only one. Look at her business card. <laughs>
1: Now, she was doing very well there, but there were a lot of places that wanted her services because she was becoming famous. And so she was thinking about leaving Epsom. And the people of Epsom were not thrilled with this. Mm-hmm. She was the one and only Bonesetter. She's the starter. only
0: one. What, are they going to get another one? She's the only one.
1: <laughs> so they actually started paying her to stay in town. Oh. Just don't leave. We will pay you 100 guineas a year just to stay here and fix Bones when we need you. Mm-hmm. So they had her on retainer. She's nice. like a concierge physician. Okay, well, that's concierge medicine.
0: I love it. Except Before for all it existed, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, so she she hung out in Epsom so that she could fix all of their bones. She obviously was making a good living. Uh, she would travel twice a week to London, and she worked out of the Grecian Coffee House fixing fixing fractures, setting bones. What do you
0: care? I mean, you can't. There's no rules. You do whatever you want. We're paying to be
1: there. <laughs> and she was. Uh, she. Like I said, she was doing very well for herself. So she had a very fine carriage. She had four horses and she would take this carriage back and forth to London. And she actually would decorate her carriage with crutches that she would get from people whose bones she supposedly fixed so well that they never needed their crutches again. Oh, wow. So the crutches were like a trophy for her. So she would (laughs) hang them hang them from her fancy coach uh, as she rode back and forth from this London to FSM. This is my hero. <laughs> um, she, she is remembered for this, but she was also remembered for uh, being a little wild. Okay. She, she liked her drink. Okay. And um, I don't know if this is true or not, maybe apocryphal, but she used to uh, get drunk and wander the countryside yelling uh, profanity and screaming. Yes. <laughs> um. But she is also remembered for being a woman in a male-dominated profession that you had to be really tough and strong to do. And she took it from her dad and took all his customers and went and did it. Now, unfortunately, she is also remembered because she is pictured in William Hogarth, the Company of Undertakers Consultation of Quacks, a painting from 1736. Uh It was the idea at the time was that a lot of people who practice medicine were quacks, which... I mean, that's, that was a hundred percent true. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so doctors and people like traditional bone setters alike were pictured in this and a lot of other art and um, writings and plays and mm-hmm. things from the time, kind of saying these people don't know what they're doing and they're just as likely to kill you as help you and you should stay away from them. And she, because of her notoriety, got memorialized as that as well. As a result, she kind of fell out of fame and favor and ended up not doing as well in her later years she uh she was one of those who like got really big really fast and then ended up dying penniless you
0: just can't pan away can you (laughs) you just can't pan away you always have to follow the person to, I, to the grave I'm what just, is it with you i'm just the you reason can't I, just celebrate every episode it's like as they did this and they were crushing it and then well uh uh they did die and they're no, dead but i think i think dying penniless by the way great timing that i'll say that who wants to die with pennies no way <laughs> burn them is the thing one thing two just pan away the camera doesn't have to follow them okay. the whole
1: time this is why i mentioned this is because With As we look back through the lens of history, it's hard to say... all the dead people. Did she do a really good job or not? I don't know. We think so. Certainly a lot of people liked her. But as we've talked about on the show, just because people were very uh, big fans of a treatment or thought it worked or a certain doctor doesn't necessarily mean they were good at it. So I don't know. Was she amazing? Was she ahead of her time? Was she behind her time? Was she just making money doing
0: I say she rules. doing what comes naturally You don't you're like you're like the, you're like both Adam ruins everything and the everything like you introduce the thing and then just just trying to look at things <laughs>
1: any tattoos of this woman You're we
0: like well one thing you do need to know
1: all, all i can say is i think that were i alive back in the 1730s in epsom i would probably have wanted to grab a drink with this lady
0: she sounds rock that's, and roll that's what i would say so now these now, days do we have like radical lasers or pills to fix bones no no don't
1: you i mean i feel like we we kind of like i said these principles of fracture management aren't too different today um, obviously, we use an x-ray most of the time <laughs> or some sort of imaging. We don't just feel and say. I mean, although you can feel yeah. and, and tell if something's fractured some, sometimes, not always. Uh, we use imaging to make sure that we know where the fracture is. And depending on where it is and what kind it is, we may just, like I talked about, reduce it or put it in place, um, take images to make sure it is in place, cast it, splint it, and then do rehabilitation, you know to make sure that you build up the strength around it and everything heals like it's supposed to. Um, Sometimes you need surgery if something is in multiple pieces or very displaced or just certain locations of fractures might necessitate that you go in and put pins and plates and screws and things to hold the bones back together so that they'll heal appropriately. Mm -hmm. Because bones, if they're close enough, will heal. A callus forms is what they call it as the bones start rebuilding and Mm -hmm. and healing. Um, But if they're not in place, if they're kind of, you know, just just a little bit diagonal or, you know, not where they should be, um, the the limb or whatever is broken will never function quite mm-hmm. the same. So you want them to heal in place. So that's what a lot of it is. And then obviously, like I said, if there's a, an open fracture, uh, infection is a huge concern. So antibiotics would be part of that. And that would definitely be a surgical issue and Squid, um, blood loss and inflammation, everything else we manage, pain control, all the other things we do around that today.
0: Let me ask you a question, Squid. Do you feel like maybe we rested on our laurels a little bit with this one like maybe we like figured it out early and then didn't spend a lot of energy in figuring out how to do it like better and faster and quicker
1: well but we do it pretty i mean that what we are fine i can't
0: go into the doctor's office and then walk out the next day with a healed bone well we're limited
1: by the fact that bones take a while to heal
0: now they do because we haven't figured out a better way of doing it is what i'm saying technology nanobots etc
1: to rebuild the bone
0: nanobots
1: i think this is just my, this is personal opinion. This has nothing to do with
0: research. We can fix anything. Bones are physical structures. Why can't we just fix them and they're fixed?
1: Well, because again, it takes time for those cells to now they heal the before, bone and grow back together.
0: is what I'm saying, like, or something.
1: I know, but if, if, if we're going to put a lot of time and energy and research dollars into something like a fracture will heal. And I think that Eventually. if the worst that you got to do is wait a little bit, No. Yeah. I don't think that's the end of the world. There are probably other areas where we could this stress that. This
0: isn't me. This is me being selfless. I've never broken a bone. And like, <laughs> I might eventually, but probably not. So far, it hasn't been an issue for me. I'm worried about other people, not me.
1: Uh, I, I think that as, I think if we know how to effectively manage fractures so that people survive and their bones work afterwards, I think we're doing pretty darn good.
0: Fair enough. Hey, Sid, big news. We wrote a book. That's well, right. We're writing a book. We're almost done with the book. Pretty much <laughs> we're done. Fair, we're pretty much done with the book. We're just, you know, editing. Editing. And figuring as long as so. this, uh, Sawbones book, uh, we're writing it. Uh, Taylor Smurl, you may know her as Sydney's sister, but she's also a very, and co host of Still Buffering. Uh, she's also, <laughs> of, the,
1: of the aforementioned Broken Arm. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, she's also an extremely talented artist, and she is doing the illustrations for this book. It's going to be, if you like the podcast, you're definitely going to enjoy the book. It's based, it's like uh, basically this a lot of the same topics, but like we're they're in book form, and also like we're rewriting everything, and it's mm-hmm. it's new info and different jokes because it would be weird to do the same jokes over and over again. No, I guess. no,
1: there's a lot of new stuff.
0: It's a lot of new stuff, and if somebody's not into our show, uh, then you this would be a great way to to get them into it, or just like as a gift, or
1: it's great for people who like. Like interesting, like historical trivia or like gross
0: stuff, or anybody honestly, or maybe you think they should like it more, or they've never experienced it, and you think, or maybe (laughs) they hate it and you want to turn them around. Basically, everybody just everybody needs this book. And if you go to bit.ly forward slash sawbones book, you can pre order it off Amazon or make use of your local bookstore, your local indie. Go in there and demand it, (laughs) kick open the door to say, Give me this book, I need it.
1: And and like our show, it's um, curse-free. Curse-free, so no swears. It's as, no swears. It's as family-friendly as our show is.
0: Yeah. So. <laughs> right. Some challenging so, ideas.
1: Yes. <laughs> <That's> the caveat. <laughs> you decide what age your kid is ready for this. Yes. I told my kid about Toxic mega colon, and she's three. So you you make up your mind, though.
0: <laughs> uh, so bit.ly forward slash Sawbones book. You can uh, pre-order that now. It comes out October 9th. God willing, and the creek don't rise. It, comes out
1: October it night. will. It will. Do you want to tell everybody where we're going to be in a couple weeks?
0: Yes. We're going to be in Columbus at the Columbus Podcast Festival with Still Buffering and oh. Court Appointed. Uh, and, and many other shows. Many other, many other shows. Those are just the ones that we're
1: that not, are, those are the ones we're related to. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: that our family makes. Uh, that we're going to be uh, performing on Saturday. Um, you can get a t- one ticket for Saturday, gets you into all those shows, or you can get a weekend ticket and uh see all the shows in the podcast festival. i say all the shows but some may be presented at the same time but regardless uh if you go to columbuspodcastfestival.com you can uh get tickets mm-hmm. uh right now they're very reasonably priced if memory serves uh they are they are like twenty dollars for a single day and forty dollars for a weekend pass it's thursday through sunday uh that and we're performing on the Saturday again, May twelfth. It is. Um mm-hmm. I know it's Eurovision Day. I get it. I'm very upset about it too, but we'll we'll figure it out together. Just record
1: Eurovision. Yeah. Just record Eurovision on logo
0: later. and watch it later. Uh so uh please come out and see us at that. And I think that's it. Thanks that's to it. taxpayers for letting us use song medicines this is the intro and outro of our program. And thank you to you for listening. We love you. Buy our book, or you know what? Just, just, just keep being you. That's all I care about. <laughs> and uh, that's gonna do it. For, so until next week, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head.